Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Nero Show, your home of unfiltered cycling chat. Hopefully the chat you guys are having in your bunches. And in today's episode, Duran Ryder is back ranting about disc brakes and sellouts. Garmin have released some new computers. Are they any good? And Cycling Tom needs our help. All right, let's get into it. So I want to do some YouTube chat with you today, Jesse. I, I want to talk a little bit about Duran Ryder. He released a video recently. It's kind of on brand for him, I would suggest. It's kind of, you know, railing against disc brakes, new bikes, just the whole the whole gambit, which again, I reckon is is probably it's that's on brand for him, all good. I found it a really compelling video. It was back to the old school. Duran Ryder. He's been quiet for a little bit, if you've noticed, but this was this was the real old school. Just everyone's on roast. I rated it. It was nice to nice to see him back in fine form. As I said, it was a really yeah, it was it was a compelling video, I think, for someone who would have been like, oh shit, yeah, you're right. Disc brakes do suck. I can't I can't believe that. So what I want to do is I want to sort of go through his video a little bit and pick out the arguments that he brought up about them. And maybe we can we can talk a little bit about it. So they all look like shit, quote unquote. So just pure, they all look mm. like shit. You know, mm-hmm. it, I would therefore say that he is comparing the aesthetic of a rim brake mechanical. He, he carps on a lot about the Cannondale Super Sixes. You know that that echelon of bike compared to the modern. Let's say the Lab Seventy One. Ah, uh, much of a muchness for me on this one. I'm going to sit on the fence. No, I'm drinking the Kool Aid. The modern disc aero bike. I want the more ridiculous stuff, the better. Like we're going to get into stuff a bit later about the electronics, about Garmin, how we just haven't seen any updates. There'll always be a place in my heart for the traditional, beautiful-looking road bike. But you know what happened? Like the other day, I was riding back, and you know what popped into my head? Geez, that new Bianchi goes all right. That stupid-looking Bianchi. I, I just don't even know where that. Popped into my head. I'm pretty sure I told I told everyone on this podcast that it looked like shit not that long ago, but I've kind of come around to it. These bikes that are coming out now, he says something like, are all just going to be chucked into fucking landfill because they're all junk, right? Now, but he's, what, what he's inferring here is that they don't age. So there's not going to – I'm not going to want to – buy a Factor Ostrovam from 2023 in 2030 on a second-hand market because it's all just kind of disposable 
cheap technology stuff that won't last and then the electronic gearing will probably not be there the firmware updates won't exist anymore i'm interested to see where you take this one because i pretty much quote you from a couple of weeks ago saying that the new bikes with all the integrated parts are uh, and proprietary parts are, are pretty much um you're using them for two or three years and then you kind of have to move on because it's so hard to find new parts for them or if you've got a frame, you, you, when you buy a bike, it's not just a frame you buy and then you patch on bits. It's you're buying the whole package now. And it's something along those lines. And that's kind of what he's saying is like these new bikes are a package. And once you're done with them, people can't really salvage them for parts. It's kind of they're done with. And I this, have to agree. And this is, I think, almost why I brought this up in the first place is like this one kind of just lingered with me for a couple of days when he said it because he got me thinking about it. And I agree. I don't think he's wrong. Um mm-hmm. I have actually I got feel... an example of this right now. Can I give it? Yeah, do you? So Go the on. example I've got of this is I'm building up a the giant TCR frame set and it has an overdrive steerer. It has a slightly wider steerer tube, which really limits how many handlebar, uh, what stems I can use because not most of them are only compatible with a one and a quarter inch. Now that's, that's just one example of the tech that changes. And then in five years time, then I'm trying to rebuild the frame. I'm really limited to the stems I can use. And that's gone on steroids now that, you know, you can imagine almost every part now is some sort of proprietary thing. Yeah. What about when SRAM changed their battery? I mean, that's going to happen. I mean, Mm they're going to change their battery mount. I mean, yeah, yeah. For me, this was a real, this was a real worry. Led me to his next point, which he, which he actually mentions a few times. It's it's really hard to fall in love with cycling because it's hard to fall in love with these bikes. And a lot of that comes from the the fact that they are they have this kind of disposable feel to them. Maybe it's the technology that's in them and, and that kind of stuff. You don't have the same like, emotional attachment to to the bike and therefore the sport because the yeah you you know you know you know what I'm trying to say and I think I know what he was trying to say. And it, I I kind of have to. I mean I'm a I'm a walking talking example of that i i pretty much said that in my review of the factor where i said i i really like this bike it makes me go fast but i don't have any attachment to it you know that the time that is often sitting behind you in the studio like yeah i do have an attachment to that so i i agree but more from the sense that because the bikes these days are, are so hard to work on it's they're, they're not just carefree you go out and ride you don't worry about your equipment because it just works. Um, <clears throat> now, now, if you're, you're someone that's sort of gotten into cycling, you're always running off to the bike shop, you get your bike serviced every three months, you never really think about it, that's fine. But the sort of the people that Durian Rider is talking to is the people that do their own maintenance, probably someone like me. And if I had a 2023 bike, it would be hard to, to love because it would take so much work to keep the thing running if I was trying to do it myself. So for, I, I see it more from that through that lens and I'd have to so agree. He's- his his other point on this falling in and out of love, which was one was just the physical, like the bike, right? That the the bike's disposable, et cetera, et cetera. And I, and I do have to hand him hand him that one. The one where I don't disagree is he he makes this comment that people f- 
can't fall in love with cycling because of the way these bikes ride. The way these bikes ride are so shit, blah, 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 right? I actually just don't agree with that. And I, and I think the ride quality is more approachable and more varied to, for more people. So like in my own experience, okay? So in my own Sydney riding, yeah, sure. Rim brake bike, disc brake bike, it doesn't really matter. I'm riding around pretty flat sort of terrain and all that sort of stuff. But it's when I come down here, it's when I come down to Bury and I ride on these really shit roads down here, up and down some of these hills in mixed terrain, mixed weather, that I do prefer riding the disc brake bike. But in his use case, I totally get it because he's at the base of Norton Summit and wants to zip up the climb in, what do you go up in it now? Like 13 minutes or something. So I, yeah, yeah for me, that's not as as obvious as the as the the previous one mm -hmm. yep i agree uh, yeah and as well like if you live in florida and you're on a aero bike with 80 mil wheels and you never have to ride up a climb you're gonna love that thing flying along at 45k an hour you don't you know you don't care if you want to focus as alco that weighs five and a half kilos so individual dependent agree there so it's a bloody compelling video mate it it is what about the whole sellout stuff do you want to well, do you want to talk yeah. about this? Love him or hate him, for better or for worse, there's very few people that 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 will just get on and just say whatever comes to mind um without any without any regard for who it's going to offend. And I think uh yeah, these days um you can be sure that if he says something, he's not saying it for the money. He says it cuz he believes it. Agree or disagree. And there's something that's very rare. I think you're kind of starting to see now um, a few uh, other people like that. There's sort of this. I would put them in the sort of the Durian Rider bucket. Uh, unfortunately for Harley, th th there's people coming along that are they're a bit more researched and probably doing it better than than he is. Uh, I don't think he will take offence at me saying that. But you know, guys like Peak Talk who are coming out and have, in some regards, similar opinions on things, but are saying it with a really well explained um, background. Uh, guys like Hambini as well. So it's just interesting to see that sort of. Um, just the sort of telling it how it is crowd on YouTube and cycling YouTube is growing and essentially doing it, doing it better than, than Harley has just cause it's more research, but yeah, you, you gotta, you gotta give it to him. The old school, just, uh, off the cuff videos are always entertaining. Interesting. You mentioned that everyone's on roast. We weren't on roast. I was particularly disappointed by that. He called all these people out for being sellouts. Mate, I am actively trying to sell out. I am announcing to the world I want to sell out, and he didn't call me out. So throw some hate my way, mate. Seriously, I'm super disappointed about it. The only thing I will say is it is so easy to sell out. So, for example, I got a, a message from a sports nutrition company recently. Very nice. I was very pleased. They said, hey, we got, we got a product. We'd be love for you to test it and interested in your thoughts, which was, you know, fantastic. Uh, but I kind of looked at the message and I'm like, well, if I, if I get you to, if I send you my PO box and you send me your nutrition products, I'm even if I don't want to be, I'm going to be biased. It's kind of, it's going to be hard to say anything too critical after a company's been really nice and sent you stuff for free. So for Harley, who's been on YouTube for forever, probably uploaded the first bloody video on the platform. For him still not to have any sponsors, it seems like he makes all his income from selling sneakers and running a Facebook group that costs $100 to join. Like, he has no, like, he's done very well not to sell out. So I think he kind of has the pleasure to sit back and call people out, people out for it because he's somehow managed not to be 
influenced by anything, for better or for worse. So, yeah, I think he he can be on his high horse in that regard. Let's let's have the sellout chat at another point. The, the only thing I want to do is is sum up with, which is I think the main point that I I actually do really agree with him on about this whole thing is that the the forced move away from from essentially rim breaks is what really is is actually like corporate collusion at the absolute worst like it actually does disgust me it really does to have just forced an entire um buying public to to do something they don't really want to do and not everyone wants to do and give us no alternative is mm-hmm. genuinely disgusting like i i do agree with that um yep so, and i'm yeah, one of those people so i'd agree so, guys, let us know down below um, your thoughts on on well, your thoughts on disc breaks versus rim breaks. No, no, please, no, <laughs> God, no. Um, yeah. Anyway, lots of subjects in that in that chat. Let us know. Speaking of Antipodean YouTubers, there's a YouTuber down in New Zealand called Cycling Tom. I have been watching a good bit of his content for for a while, actually, and and Tom reached out to me quite recently and was was really very honest the views on his channel had dropped away really over the last six or seven months and he was wondering if we'd experienced anything similar or any advice just general kind of youtube chat i'm a cycling tom fan by the way i've watched him for years so uh look i i think i don't necessarily think his views on his on an average good video he does has dropped off so if if I, I I did have a look back, the average views he was getting on a on his uh, on his videos was similar, sort of the three to four thousand. It's just that back in the day he had more standout videos. He was do- he was doing a lot of equipment based videos, like about a Pinarellos and Durace wheels and things like that. So he's getting the same views on there now as he was back in the day. I just think because of what's gone on with him, which we'll get into, there's just more videos that aren't relevant to his audience that are watching, which is kind of sad, but that's just, yeah, it's what happens. So should we get into this? Cause he, he, he was basically just a YouTuber, just a vlogger, kind of pretty similar to Francis Cade. And he's done two things recently. So his first thing is he started a team and traveled a lot for races. And he's also opened up a bike shop. Now uh, you have a bit of experience uh, with running a team, Chris, and making videos. And it seems like that's been one of the big, downfalls for him like it is almost impossible to try and get youtube audience to care about a small domestic bike racing team and it's that's not having a go at the community that's just what a small like small amateur bike racing team does is not relevant who gives a shit what happens in the kudamundra handicap and so and so made the final break it's just I'm bored even talking about it, let alone clicking on it and trying to watch it. So, but there's something else at play, and I think I definitely struggled and potentially am still struggling a lot with this. And that is like a, a bike racing team by its very nature is elite. You, it's and not only it's elite, but it's elitist, and it can turn a lot of people off. Not just the video, but like the people in the video. And, and in my experience, like it kind of turned people off me because. Ultimately, you just turn into this like, oh, he's just that wanker bike racer guy like with like sponsored stuff. And that's 
on the one hand, like that's the thing that you're trying to promote because you're trying to promote the, the team. You need to promote the sponsors. So you need to create that look and feel. But at the same time, you're probably turning off the YouTube audience who think you're just this bike wanker. So it's a really, really difficult balance and one that I definitely feel I failed at. So he was also doing a lot of travel-related stuff recently. And the problem with that, so I've fallen into this trap with my own channel when I was in Europe last year, is that you start making videos that kind of follow on from the previous one. And that never works on YouTube because if you go into your YouTube analytics, most of the views on any given video will be either from the home page or the suggested recommended feed. doesn't really matter how many subs you have. It's, it's pretty much most of the views are coming from people just seeing the video, getting forced to them and watching them. So the videos have to kind of stand on their own two feet. And anytime you start doing team-related stuff, travel-related stuff, it's just not going to work in the homepage. So YouTube stops recommending them. So I think that's what kind of what happened to him in the last kind of year was a lot of that sort of follow-up stuff. And the only, I got a couple other things to add here. Now, I don't know, I'm not a successful YouTuber in my own right. So this is very much the peanut gallery given thoughts, but I'll, I'll, I'll go for it anyway. So I do think he does such a variety of videos on his channel. So it makes it really difficult to get stable views. So there are probably only two people I know on YouTube, cycling YouTube that make that work. One being Francis Cade. He just makes videos on anything. And Cam Nichols as well seems to make videos on a lot of different stuff and they'll do all right. For everyone else, they're just working in their niche. Now, he, most of uh, Cycling Tom's top videos are equipment stuff and he owns a bike shop. So I would just double down on that. Get rid of the vlogs. Get rid of, I mean, if you want to do team stuff just to promote the team, that's sort of fine, but not doing it for views and just pump out uh equipment related stuff i mean the last video he uploaded was on wind space wheels and it's already cleared five thousand views in the first 24 hours so there isn't still an appetite for his videos it's just got to be the ones that people are clicking on and people like equipment stuff you got a yeah. shop you got you got a shop full of stuff i mean that's this there's a hundred videos there that he could make easy yeah. and i think he probably just needs as boring as it is uh for him he, you know he might like making a variety of videos people want what they want and it seems like they want yeah. equipment stuff i feel it's interesting you mentioned francis being able to make that continuous content work i think that's definitely i'd love to get francis on and talk to him about that because you're right he has made he has made the the uh, leap to be able to get to to reference things that happened in previous episodes and even when he's doing those travel ones like when he did the ride across america you were you're able to I know you didn't watch too much of it, but I, I did. And I, and I watched probably every second or third one, but I still kind of felt like I knew the, the storyline. So there's, there's obviously some tricks and um, he's, he's quite skilled in that. And I think that's a specific skill that maybe like Cycling Tom and, and I certainly didn't, didn't have. It's but, a skill, yeah, but I, also those, those, zero, those like American Race Across America videos, they, they only have like thirty or 40,000 views, which is mm. not that much for, for Francis Cade. So mm. like if Cycling Tom's doing the same thing, even if it works just as well, you know, he's probably only getting three or 4,000 views for those, which he's not going to be happy with. So yeah, even, even doing it well, which Francis does, they still don't get good views. It will be really interesting to see because the Tour de Tietema guys who I think are Dutch-based YouTubers, like massive, massive channel, like multiple hundreds of subscribers. They've just started their own team uh conti level and they're doing the same sort of thing like they're 
they're trying to follow the team with the channel. The views will be interesting because it's uh, it's. I don't think it's potentially their audience, but and again, let's see. Production value be much higher than what Tom or I ever managed, but we'll see. Speaking of Tom, uh, massive shout to him. Good luck with the channel. We'll be watching. I know you spend a little bit of time in Australia, so potentially we'll catch up at some point. Yeah, I hope that didn't come across as too negative. I just, I'm a big, I'm a fan of his. I like his channel. I watch all his stuff. So yeah, if you could just double down on the stuff that's getting views, hopefully you can keep the channel going. It's a good one. So another YouTuber running a team. This has popped up recently on my newsfeed. So this was an article in the British Continental. Follows the domestic racing scene in the UK. Charlie Carbs and Cycling. I think some of you probably recognize that channel. He has started a team. One of the great team names as well. SN Vitae Bim Bam Coaching Racing Team. So rolls off the tongue. Funny name. Beautiful. But this one struck me because it's it, it's just exactly how a team should be run when it starts up. So it's not a continental team. They're just basically a club team in the UK. But he's gone out and he's got them UCI race starts and they're they're running as a team. They're gonna do a whole season doing UCI races. And in in a, a scene where there's been so much complaints about the British racing scene sucks and all the racing's cancelled and all the teams are folding. He's a guy that's just starting up a team, running it well, and just the the way he the quotes he had in this article were really fantastic. And I just want to I want to read some of them out. So um they've already done a few UCI races, a couple of 2.2s and a 1.2 uh in Greece. And so they'll be they'll be continuing that on in 2023, racing Poland, Hungary, and, and Uzbekistan. And here's a quote from him. The team has a very minimal budget, which only re- really covers a small amount of kit. Most of our riders have part-time jobs or are at university to so pay their own way for races abroad. We're going for a minimalist setup where riders can have their own personal sponsors as long as they don't clash with the team's main backers. And then they asked him about, well, are you going to go continental? Because you know, some uh, there's quite a few teams that start up and they're promising the world. They're going world tour. They're going pro conti. They're doing this, that, and the other. And he's just come in and said, uh, we're not going Conti. The money saved by not going Conti helps reduce the financial burden on, on our foreign trips. And there's there's plenty of hard 1.2s and 2.2s, which will be good for our team. And our goal is just increasing our budget to allow for more foreign race days and hopefully start a women's team. I mean, is that not it just... It sounds disgustingly sustainable. I, <laughs> I, I, am, I am disgusted. That's, yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. There is a lot there. I mean, it's so tempting when you get like a journalist that runs a website to you know, tell us about your team. You know, it's it's really tempting to just, well, we're going to, you know, we're looking to do this pie in the sky thing we'll probably never get to do. But he's just come out and basically said it. You know, riders pay for most of the stuff. We give them a bit of kit. We're just about developing talent and getting the most amount of race days as possible. I mean. And that's what it should class. be. Like I just, and one of the the hardest parts about being that honest is like you feel that if you say that stuff out loud that you know you the the riders aren't going to apply to your team because you know they see they think the smoke and mirrors over at another team is going to be way better and so oh, hang on this charlie blokes you know what what i've got to get a personal sponsor like i remember you know, i don't want to go too much into it but when we suggested to a couple of our guys to get personal sponsors like they almost laughed at us to think that that was something they had to do but it's um that's a really really um, ballsy. It, was, it shouldn't be, but it is a bit of a ballsy way to just be that honest. And I massively rate that. Yep, love it. 
So in the, the gloom and doom that appears to be cycling in the UK, you've got a guy here, YouTuber, runs a channel and starts up his own team. And he really does seem like he has low ego for the whole thing. And he's just looking to get um, talent development for, for those riders. So yeah, big shout out to that one. I think it's going to be a successful team if he keeps running it like that. Can I be annoyingly uh, positive as well? I, I realize this is not on brand for us and this show. We shouldn't be talking positively about things because we're elitist negative cyclists. But uh, another UK team we have a little bit to do with, um, St. Piran. Now, they've had some ups and downs in the past. Are they? I'm not sure. Are they still Conti? I think. Couldn't tell you. I don't I think actually they are. know the answer. Yeah. Anyway, they, they have uh, started a thing where you adopt a rider. And it's it's something it's it it gives each individual rider in the team some exposure to do what we just mentioned, which is try and go out and get their own personal sponsors. Again, things that don't necessarily cut across their the team sponsors, but puts a little bit more of the the onus on the rider to do stuff. So, I am going to shout out a former Nero Continental rider, Cooper Sayers, who you can go and adopt. Adopter Sayers, I don't know what you get. <laughs> I can tell you what you get. I can tell you what you get. You get exclusive images, which I have Beautiful. sent through to Cooper. And I've asked what's in the image package because that could sway me to purchase. Um, but I'm going to be adopting Cooper for my monthly uh, exclusive content. So very interesting. Shoes will be held. Um, yeah, well, I mean, Cooper's got to pay for his sunglass fetish somehow. So do make sure to... Which are, there's a challenge for you. Try and find two photos of Cooper Sayers with the same pair of sunglasses. It's about uh, as challenging as wearing finding a Chris Miller one with the same pair of shoes. <laughs> just on that though, it's I really thought it was a good idea because if they were just like come and donate a hundred pounds to St. Piran, uh, no thanks. But donate, uh, adopt a rider, and support your rider. Good Money luck. goes to the team. I'm on board. So good idea. Big fan. Come. Comes back to that thing of the crowdfunding thing with the with the some of the teams doing it. It just again, people won't necessarily like me saying this, but it's just lazy. I'm sorry, it's lazy to just to play the charity card as a as a team. You've got to be you've got to be more creative than that. And I think this is this is a super way of approaching it. So there's a couple of positive things happening in the UK. Have you guys spotted anything else specifically in the, the racing sphere? Do let us know down below. So Garmin have released a couple of new bike computers. Four years in the making, Jesse Coyle. Yep. Four years in the making. The Garmin 840 and the Garmin 540 with a solar edition on. Nice. Both. Like it. Oh, yes. I just want to say that again. So what we have added is the little solar panel. We have also added the new UI, the interface, the UI that was on the 1040, which I am currently showing the camera, which I am a fan of. So I do want to point out I am a fan of this device, big screen, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to put the specs up of this. And obviously, if you are interested in more depth about them, go check out Shane Miller or DC Rainmakers channels because they do, as we know, the best tech cycling reviews. But I do just want to get a little bit off my chest on this one because four years in the making has given us basically a slightly different software. 
and it's only slightly different. It's not it's not some revamped it's like UI. It's just a slight improvement. The solar panels and really not much else. And when I say not much else, the screen is exactly the same. Is it? Not only is it oh. the same. Yep, it's not the it's the same dimensions. It's even the same resolution. Oh dear. Um, not only that, but the bezels got bigger. So we ended up getting bigger bezels with the same <laughs> fucking screen. Now, yes, some of that is due to the solar around the side of it, but we, we really haven't seen much. And, okay, so much of the we, – we've talked a little bit about this here before, but like so much of the functionality that gets shoved into these devices, which they think we like, so fucking useless. Like apart from Climb Pro, now Climb Pro has its its absolute use case, which I will agree to. But then we've got all these other things where we're measuring the strain, we're doing performance updates. There's this bizarre thing that you could potentially take to a race, and it will give you a race pace. What the hell? Like, what are you going to do? Take it to the Snowy Classic five hours, and it's going to show you your target power for every minute of the race and you're just going to sit to that the whole time like under no circumstances any idiot going to use that i'm sorry so we we seem to shovel all this stuff into the into the device but not actually upgrade it with things that we want things that we want like a better screen or uh, how about how about a sim card in there or how about wireless charging like just stuff that we're so used to at like a basic level when it comes to a smartphone. All right, I'm going to breathe. Jesse Coyle, your thoughts. Take a breath. Calm down. I'm going to get more fired up. The the stagnation in tech, the specifically the electronic side, is crazy. Because in, in the equipment side of cycling, we've seen a lot of updates in the last few years. I don't know what they're doing on the tech side, whether that's head units, like software, websites like Strava, uh, indoor training space, there has been almost nothing going on for the last, I would say, three years. Like, if you go, I can tell this because I used to watch Shane Miller's channel all the time because there would be some update that was interesting. If you go on his channel now, it's like a Garmin update, which no one cares about anymore because there's nothing good new. And then, oh, a power meter, slight update, but they're all kind of the same now. Or irrelevant trainer updates because they're all still doing the same thing they were doing five years ago or a Zwift update. Like, there's no new tech here. And I've kind of seen it inadvertently through his channel, and it's just, it's unbelievable. Like how, how is the electronic side of the cycling tech so stagnant? Sorry, I'm just doing something that I should have done before I started talking about this and got really heated, and that was check the recommended retail price. Have you, Jesse Coyle, had a look at the recommend... Oh, I've gone high-pitched again, I'm sorry. Have you had a look at the recommended <laughs> retail price of the Garmin Edge 840? Mm-hmm. Don't ha- I haven't. Have, I haven't. Have a, okay. Have what would guess. I pay? Okay. What would I pay? For, this is going to maybe show. I don't try. What would I pay for a head unit? I use it every ride. It's about half the size of that. Screen's half about the, half size, the size. But I use it every ride, and yeah. it still looks like it did ten years ago. Um, Australian dollar. I. I. Six hundred bucks. I'd be happy. $900. Okay. Wow. 900 bucks. Right. Yeah. 
No, there we go. That's that's where we're at. But no, you, which you're dead I, right, I mean, right. you'd be happy to. I'd be happy to pay nine hundred dollars for a piece of tech if it actually did anything. If it looked better and did anything significantly better, but it doesn't, as we've said. So I will say I do really rate the Climb Pro thing. I I I will say that's actually quite a useful feature and something that okay, it seems to have again taken far too long to get to this point, but like. For me, like when we did the Snowy Classic and uh, you removed me from your wheel, but I could still see you. And when that mist, right, like full mist, you could only see like a couple hundred meters in front. And I was literally riding to what the next 100 meters of gradient was going to be. I could see every move in that gradient coming. And when the next little down pitches were coming, so to try and push towards that. So that that did feel like, uh, it felt like, it had progressed from previous years that I'd done that event, mm-hmm. like that we'd actually moved forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, fair enough. All right. But ultimately, yeah, I don't think we're getting anywhere with tech. So let us know down <laughs> below, guys. Is there something that you're seeing that maybe will change our minds or just be grumpy in the comments like the mm-hmm. two of us? Right, so we're going to call this segment Unresearched, Completely Subjective Equipment knowledge yep all right <laughs> let's go so uh jesse can you bring some completely unresearched subjective equipment knowledge to the table for us all right first one i'm going to say is truth smaller frames benefit more from aerodynamic tweaks i'll send you the photo rob redpath put up a photo of his bianchi xr4 and it must be like a size 48 and because of the aero shapes on such a small frame the frame is almost half filled in. It looks like a triathlon bike. But if you have a size 60 with an aero frame, it barely it barely does anything because the frame size is so big. So my, <laughs> what I'm saying is the small frame, if you're a smaller rider on a smaller frame, you're going to get more of a benefit from the aerodynamics because it almost fills the frame in. Whereas a larger rider, you got that big freaking triangle. Who cares what the shape is? I'm putting it out there. Someone will know in the comments. But wouldn't wouldn't you benefit more because the the so you're if if Rob was on standard tubing yep. and Jesse Coyle's on standard tubing, isn't aren't you going to benefit more because you're increasing you're you're decreasing the size of the gap? This is this is official research. <laughs> um, Yep. Go get um, yeah, I like where it's going. Technology. Yeah. Yep. So, you know, you're decreasing the size of the gap in the triangle by the thicker tubing of the aero tubes. So, therefore, you are getting more benefit than, than Rob is because his is getting this is kind of not, uh, yeah. as a you know raw me- as that. a raw measurement, yes, because if the frame gets deeper on a, on a larger tube it's instead of like a, a, a three, uh, like let's say a, a, an eight centimeter head tube uh, width wise on the, on the bigger mm-hmm. frame, it might be 10 centimeters. So as a, as a, as a raw number, it's bigger, but as a percentage, just visually, when you look at those small frames, it's, it's a larger, I think <laughs> it's a larger percentage of the frame because I just looked at that photo. I'm like, that frame is almost fully filled in. Whereas if you look at a large one, it's not. So as a, I think as a percentage, when they stretch out those tubes to make them more aerodynamic, it takes up a larger percentage of that entire triangle if it's a smaller frame. And therefore, 
the decrease in drag will be. Yeah, I, 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 there's there's potential there. We we yeah. may need. I mean, no. I mean, obviously that's fact. What you just said there. But uh, under the um, under the sort of interest of uh, of more research, maybe maybe we should get uh, Peak Talk to to, to let he us watches know. His, the, he he does watch it. the show, so maybe he can let us know mm-hmm. in the comments who benefits more from an aerodynamic tube shape, small or large. Speaking frame. of Peak, Mister, I don't know what Mister Mister P Talk. Maybe maybe is how I should refer to him. Or Professor Talk, Mister Talk. Um, he he's obviously does. Super videos about um, compa- comparison stuff, right? And, and really, from from my perspective, the most kind of reliable real world stuff. So links below, etc. But you know where he is. But I find his results because he's a big guy and he's like fucking massive. Like it's got to be like a freaking fence post that thing. So he he did the the one on um, wide tires, okay, and. Here's some of my unresearched subjective um, analysis that I've been doing down here. As you can probably tell, I'm not in Sydney. I'm a couple of hours south in around Barrie, and there's lots of hills here. And down here, I've been riding my um, wheels with uh, 21 mil internals, and I have a 30 mil on the back and a 28 up front. And I have never felt slower on these roads ever down here. And yes, it could be weight, my weight, it could be fitness, whatever, but it's just so much harder to get these up to speed. I mean, okay, once I get them over 30 k's an hour, sure, they're fine, but you don't spend a lot of time pedaling over 30 k's an hour down here. I did a ride today where I averaged 23 k's an hour because I was going up and down a hill and it felt like riding in mud. So here is my hypothesis that wider tires, with lower pressure adversely affect a smaller lighter rider more than a larger rider because if just you've got larger rotating um, wheel mass and that's more weight for me to push as a lighter rider i have less power to do that fact yep i'll agree with you that let's oh, put it in the fact that's book boring. yep okay i'll it's put in it fact. in there good yep yep and well, he- heavy, also, well I, I, heavier tires uh, will impact a smaller rider more. So yeah, yeah. Agreed. I am going to follow this up because I'm I'm so far down this rabbit hole of tires now. I don't know what to do. Like I am, I, I was drinking the Kool Aid not long ago that was telling me that my bike was really fast with thirties, and now I feel like I'm riding in mud with thirties. So Chris has fallen down another trap. Surprise, surprise. We're going to intro. Oh no, that's that was Chris's. What are we left that segment? What that was we, Chris. That was no, Chris we won't talk corner. about that ever again. That died. <laughs> Creators died. Called. That was that was 2022's 2022. Um, okay, we'll finish with some rapid fire round. Do you wear deodorant when you go for a ride? Uh, no, I don't actually. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. I so I every before I pretty much go for every ride, or if I haven't put any on for the day. Like I will put on antiperspirant deodorant, so roll on, in my armpits. And I thought that was just normal. You don't have to exercise, you put deodorant on. But I have had a few people comment um, back when I was on Teams that it was weird that, oh, why are you putting deodorant on if you're about to go and exercise? I thought that was a no-brainer. Antiperspirant deodorant. I leave a lot of lycra down here. I don't bring lycra down. And so it, it tends to be the lycra that I've 
worn quite a bit in Sydney and it comes down here to die basically. And I have found that some of this lycra reaches a point where it's not the the threads are going, it's not that there's anything like that. It's just that I can't get the stink out. Mm. Like at some point, like I have sort of just absorbed into the into the lycra and I put the kit on and I just immediately smell. So maybe I could have yes. avoided this by going Jesse Coil spec and and just hitting up yeah, the Yeah, that's a very common. The, the the pits start to warm up and then the, the 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 scent comes out. I do think the deodorant helps, but I've gone one step further. I've started wearing, well I actually have for a while, just one spray of 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 a cologne or fragrance when I go out for a ride. Yep. I've done it. Deodorant wasn't good enough for me. I now will wear a spritz. Uh, very careful with what one because I don't want to stink the bunch. There's nothing worse than you riding with someone and a real musky, powdery <laughs> cologne on and it choking you out. But something light, something fresh. I, I, I'm not going to lie. It, it is very nice. You get, you get a nice little whiff of that as you're riding. I'm a fan. So that's probably you and Toby Orchard. Yeah, yeah. You and Toby Orchard. Yeah, one of the, uh, one of the nicest. Forget. Just because there are notes that can piss people off in a fragrance, it, it would be cool if there was a cologne for cyclists, a, a Nero mm. Pour Homme, if you will, that had only hints that agreed with the nose when you're outside exercising. I'd go for it. It should be there, right? You go into 99 bikes, you got your chamois cream, you got your energy gels, and you got your cologne for cyclists. No, I see. I, I would like it to be very much like a uh, Mr. Sheen. I loved the smell of like the Mr. Sheen after I used to clean my Bianchi Specialisma, we had a matte finish on it and I used to clean that with the Mr. Sheen and it was just like the nicest like go fast smell possible. So for me, yeah, little little hints of sheen in the uh, Neuro Cologne, please. If you do well in a race, do you have to post what level of race it was? So if you won B grade, do you say that you came second in B grade? This is on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Or do you just say you came second? Or if you do say you have to, it is B grade, where in the comment? I'm very much in two minds. So my first thing came to mind is like, yes, podium. First line of the caption is got the win, uh, manly C grade on Sunday. I, it has to be very upfront. I thought that. And then I was kind of thinking, if you're just if you're just a B grader and you've always ridden, ridden ridden B grade, you might not even think of you to mention it's B grade because it's like, well, what are people going to assume I'm in A grade? Like, I could understand why people don't even consider putting the grade in there because it's like, oh, well, it kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? I hate to agree with you, but you're dead right. Like, I I remember when I was fighting for the B grade club championships at Manly back in the day. I couldn't have even told you who a person in A grade, it meant nothing to me. And so if I'd achieved that goal, which I didn't, uh, I, I wouldn't have even crossed my mind to, to say B grade club champion. I would have just said club champion. Mm-hmm. So you're right. I think you do, you just, that's, you're in that grade. So you don't even think beyond it. Like it's only sad people like m- you and me that maybe it rubs the wrong way <laughs> some people sometimes. <laughs> But that's, I think, more because of the A1 stuff. That's kind of where I got a bit kind of antsy about it all. Like if we're, if we're going to start splitting everyone up into these 
subcategories, then I'm sorry, you've got to announce the subcategory because you're not an A2 for life. You're A sometimes and you're B sometimes. You're clearly on the cusp. But yeah, potentially yeah. that's that's a chat for for another time. Instagram, what else you got? Well, these 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 fucking cringy as fuck Instagram training reels where it's like some dude out in the rain. It's like I'm on my bike. It's like throwback to the Lance, but it's just like nobody's making them. Uh, what do you think? <laughs> Is this inspiring? Is this getting you on the bike? What, what's the go with this stuff? Where am I today? I'm out getting faster. It's just, it's just all the, it's like the cringiest Rocky Balboa, <laughs> like, yeah, quote stuff. Purse, okay. My head is at, my head is at work, it. my heart's on no. the bike. Actually, I totally know what you're going to say about this. I do, but uh. I hate them. I actually really hate them. And I've posted a couple and I did the full, like, yeah, whatever. Like, and I just immediately regret doing it. <laughs> it just, it just. You know what though? Like as annoying as it is for you. Here it comes. Here it comes. I hate to break it to you, Chris. There are people getting into the sport that don't want to watch YouTube, that don't want to watch a 20-minute Chris Miller video. Or they, they're just sort of, maybe they know someone that rides a bike and maybe they've got a mountain bike. And then Instagram starts shoving this stuff in their feet and they're looking at it. And as fucking cringe as it is when you're actually a cyclist, that it pulls people in. I knew in. you were going to play this card. Yeah. I knew a, you were going to play this card. Especially young people. And I'm going to say it again. It's the fitness industry all over again. That's how they get people in. It's just this really easy to watch stuff. It's like a brainwashing and they watch it. And it's another cycling training meme. You're such a sellout coil. You've played the uh, you've played the You've played the young cyclists card and you've also played the motivate people to go out and ride card. Yep. I hate you for that. And you, you're probably right. I think I oh. am right. I think you're just an out-of-date boomer. People love this stuff. I get the fit, <laughs> I get the fitness industry version on my Instagram feed and it, it's entertaining. So for people that aren't going to watch a 40-minute Hambini video, just seeing that stuff works. And so I'm all for it. Even as though I watch, I'm just like, oh, it's like for some people, they like it. The Facebook groups are going to blow up over this. I just can't wait to get on there to see. I actually, yeah. I've made similar ones too. So who the fuck am I to talk? Because <laughs> it works. They get no, pretty you, good views. Look, probab- so fair enough. You're probably right. You're probably right. They 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 probably do motivate people to go out and ride. But it's it's the fake part of it for me is just... I kind of know what goes into sometimes filming that stuff. And it's just, just go watch a Cycling Tom video. There you go. Get, <laughs> get some motivation. Go watch bloody Cycling Tom. He'll motivate you. Yep. Thanks so much for watching, guys. If you're on the podcast players, please do leave us a rating. That's going to make a big difference to help us grow. Also, if you're on YouTube, whack the like button, share this on with your mates. Jesse Coyle, thank you for your time. See you next time. See you next time.